Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? It's great to see you. Great to be with you. Like Bill said, uh, I'm going to be continuing in a series that we introed last weekend called The Gospel of Wholeness. And if you were here last weekend, we had the amazing treat of having one of our founding pastors, Danny Meyer, come and share with us. Uh, Danny and Penny Meyer, if you don't know them, founded this church back in 2002. And if you missed it, I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, but you missed it. Like, it was wonderful uh, to have Danny. And over the years, I've heard Danny talk about this topic of the gospel of wholeness a number of times, and it has had a powerful impact in my own personal walk with Jesus. But it's also become really, the, I would say, the primary lens of, of how I pastor when I counsel people or meet with people or encourage people as well. So if you did miss last weekend, I would encourage you, go back, go on the website, watch, watch the sermon from last weekend, listen to the podcast. Um, each week in this series, we'll kind of build upon each other. So try to be here as much as you can or catch up in the middle of the week. Um, but I would encourage you um, just to, to really dive into this series. And you can see up there, there's a QR code. If you want to download, there are notes that go along with this, like an outline with this um, sermon series that we're doing. And if you're not a, like a digital person, I think we have some hard paper copies on the info counter. You can grab one of those as well. Um, but we'll be using those throughout the series. I do want to start off by kind of recapping a little bit of what Danny talked about. Obviously, we're not going to cover everything he did, talked about last week, but I think it's important for what we're going to be building on today. And so what is the gospel of wholeness? What is the gospel of wholeness? Well, I think when most Christians hear the word gospel, when most Christians think of the idea of sharing the gospel, we think about equating that with the good news, right? The good news of, of Jesus, of who Jesus is, who he, what he came on this earth to do, how he, he is the son of God. He came to this earth. He, he taught us a lot of amazing things and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose back to life so that we might have life in him, so that we might experience life to the full, so that we might have, be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with him. And I think for the most part, most of us, if we, we think of those kinds of things and if we were given the opportunity or when we're given the opportunity, if somebody would come to us and say, hey, I know you're a Christian and I think I want to become a Christian. Can you walk me through that? What does that mean? That most of us, I think, would feel like we could explain a little bit of that in our own words or, or maybe we might open up our Bible and, and, and share a Bible verse or two with them or maybe we'd, we'd pray with that person. I think most of us would feel okay with that part. But what if the week after that same person came back to you or the next month later that same person came back to you and they said, hey, I... I'm so grateful that I have started this relationship with Jesus. I'm so grateful that I have this confidence in my salvation, but I still have the same struggles that I had like a week ago or a month ago. You know, I'm still this angry kleptomaniac, as Danny used that example last weekend, right? He talked about that, right? Or I, I still struggle with anxiety or this addiction or insecurity in my life or codependency or, or whatever, right? These, these things, when are those kinds of things going to start to change in my life? And Dane talked about this last weekend, but I think at that point, most of us, that's where we punt, right? That's where we say, you know what? I don't really know how to help you with that. Uh, you should probably talk to like a professional, an expert 
you should go talk to one of the pastors or a counselor or see if a doctor has a medication for kleptomaniasm or something like that, right? Like see if there's something you can take, right? That's where we, we don't really know what to do uh, in that situation. But what if we could know a little bit? Not that we're gonna be experts and have PhDs, right? And, and kleptomaniasm or something like that. But what if we could, we could help guide walking people in this life with Jesus and, and walking them through some of those struggles and helping them through their relationship with Jesus see transformation in their lives? What if we felt comfortable not only praying for somebody to be saved, but for somebody to grow to be the healthier, holder person that God wants them to become? See, that's the good news of the whole gospel. The gospel of wholeness is more than just the gospel of salvation. Now, good luck trying to get through the rest of your life with all your struggles and just waiting it out till you die and get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. No, it's the gospel. The whole gospel is not just a gospel about salvation. It's also the gospel of sanctification, of sanctification. And the word sanctification is just a, a big churchy word for the supernatural transformational process of becoming more like Jesus, of being one of his disciples and, and becoming and being made more and more into his image in our whole lives, our body, our, our minds, our hearts of becoming more like Christ. It's the gospel or the good news of becoming the holer and holier person that God has for us to become. And, and the way that we authentically, that occurs in our life is from the inside out. Danny talked about this last weekend too. It's, it's from the inside out as we continue in an intimate relationship with Jesus. When we are regularly experiencing the love and the grace of being known by Christ, that over time leads to dependency on Christ where we can learn to trust in him. And that dependency then over time leads to willingly, willingly obedience to Christ, willful obedience to Christ. And, and, and living our lives the way we, he wants us to live because we, you know, we can trust him and there's a relationship there. But, but Dane talked about this last weekend. All too often, we get that order reversed. All too often, we become a Christian and then we think, okay, now I gotta start doing all the right things and following all the rules and being obedient to God. And we try as hard as we can. But, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work from the outside in, hoping it will soak in, hoping that will teach us how to, to be dependent on him and build more intimacy with him. No, what Christianity is, is it's a supernatural transformation from the inside out of what God does in here. But, but how does that actually happen? How, do we actually, how does that actually occur? Well, that's what we're gonna be getting to break down today and over the next number of weeks as we go through this this series. There are eight key concepts, eight truths, eight scriptural references in the gospel of wholeness. And we have these little cards that if you didn't get a chance to grab one last week, I think they're on the stools back there. You can grab one of these on your way out today that has, has these different eight things. And we're going to kind of take, take our time and go through these mostly one at a time. Some of them are a little shorter. We'll kind of combine uh, ones that are shorter on some weeks. But we're going to talk today about just the first one, the first key concept and the first scriptural reference. But let me, let me pray for us before we, we read that passage. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for every person here. I thank you we can gather together as the body of Christ. And Jesus, 
Thank you that you didn't come just to save us. You came also to sanctify us. And so, Lord, would you begin and continue that work of sanctification in our lives today as we continue to talk about the gospel of wholeness. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're going to be looking at a very common ver- or passage that I know many of you are probably familiar with. It's Genesis 3, 6 through 13. And so I'll read it to you here. It'll be on the screens. You can follow along in your own Bible or phone. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, I told you, or who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So, so Genesis 3, 6 through 13 is the first scriptural reference and understanding the gospel of wholeness. And this verse is actually essentially kind of talking about a bad word, a bad word. And it's not a four-letter word, it's a, a three-letter word. And I know some of you are thinking of it right now, but we're not supposed to talk about bad words in church. So I'm gonna whisper it to you, okay? It's the word sin. It's the word sin. Now, is that, is that, is that all, that's not the word you were all thinking of, bad words? Like, no, some of you, some of you, you need to get prayer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, sin. In this passage, we are reading the story of the first sin committed by Adam and Eve as they disobeyed God, as they didn't trust him, as they turned away from him and decided to do things their own way. The first truth, the first key concept that we need to acknowledge and address is that our common problem is sin. Sin is the common problem. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden, sin and the effects of sin have been the common problem that we all face. And, and I kind of joke that sin is a bad word, but I, I think in a way, sin has kind of become a bad word in our culture because it's taboo. To, to talk about something as sin is something you just, you just don't do, right? You just don't do it. It's like, it's like Uncle Bill at Thanksgiving dinner talking about his toe fungus, right? You just don't do it. You just don't do it. And I'm not talking about you, Bill. Don't worry. You don't have to take your shoe off and prove it. You know, just relax. It's just a joke. No, but, you know, we don't talk about sin in our culture because sin is seen as judgmental, right? It seems as critical, like, like, who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? You're like, why are you judging me? Like, what's right for you might not be right for me, right? Sin is also seen as archaic, like outdated. Wasn't that like sin, the Bible, isn't that like really old? Like, it's the 21st century, come on, man. Like, get over it, Right? It, it, it isn't something that we, we can talk about. But the original Hebrew word for sin actually wasn't a religious word at all. It was a common everyday word that was used in everyday language that simply meant to fail or to miss the mark, 
to miss the mark. You know, the Hebrew boys who maybe were learning to use a slingshot and slinging rocks at a target, when they would miss, they were sinning. They were just missing the mark. But over time, our culture has turned this world, word into a critical, judgmental, taboo word that we can't talk about. But not talking about it or having a misunderstanding of what it is doesn't change the fact that it's the common problem that we all face, right? And, and, and it's, not just, uh, it's not just about coming into a relationship with Jesus that we need to address our sin. It's, it's an issue that needs to be addressed not only just in our salvation, but also in our sanctification. It is the thing that keeps giving us problems throughout our lives. It's not the only reason why we, not only the reason why we need a savior, someone to come and do a supernatural work inside us to, to rescue us. It's also the reason we need a sanctifier. Someone to, who's overcome sin to change us from the inside out and make us more like him. Now, I do think it's important that we, like, to note that we recognize that not all of our problems are solely due to sin. Not every problem in this life is solely due. There are some exceptions, right? Like um, some of our problems might be physiological, right? You, back pain, right? Or toe fungus, Bill. I, you know, I don't know. That isn't a result of your sin, right? It isn't a result of something you've done wrong or some sin that's been committed against you, right? Uh, and some of our challenges in life are impacted by the fact that we as Christians believe that there is another team on the field. That some of our challenges are, and problems are a result of, of spiritual warfare, right? Demonic activity. And if that's something you're interested in learning more about, I would encourage you, you know, we a spiritual warfare 101 class to sign up for that if you wanna learn more about that. But, but if the problem isn't totally a result of our physiology, and if it's not totally a result of some demonic issue, then it has to be, be the result of an issue with sin. And some of those sins might be our own sins, things that we've, we've done, things where we've missed the mark, but sometimes it's the sins of others committed against us. I mean, isn't that unfortunately all too often that some of our struggles and problems in our lives have been influenced or caused by sins committed against us, sometimes by the people who are closest to us, right? Sometimes by the people who are our, our family or our dearest friends, right? Or and it, that can occur when we're kids, right? But, but well into adulthood, those things can have a major impact in our mental, physical, emotional, and relational well-being, and as a pastor, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis, sometimes almost on a daily basis, I have somebody, you know, who emails me, calls me, sends me a text and says, hey, can we get together? There's some stuff I just, I, I need to get off my chest or there's some stuff I could use some help with or I need to talk about. And if I wanted to be in that moment, I could kind of be a jerk if I wanted to be. You know, I could kind of be like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I, I, I know what we're gonna talk about. And they'd be like, really? Who told you? Right? Well, nobody told me, but, but I have a feeling somewhere in our conversation, we're going to be talking about sin, whether it's your own sin or again, sins that have been committed against you, or maybe sins that were committed against you. And then your sinful response to those sins committed against you and how you reacted in a, in a sinful way to that person. And, and pretty much every time, sometimes it's not always right on the surface. Sometimes you got to dig under the, it's like a bump in the rug a little bit. You got to kind of sweep it out a little bit, but usually every time there's somewhere in there, there's some effect 
of, of sin that's, that's causing that issue. Now, why is that? Well, if we go back to Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, it resulted in a fracturing of a relationship in three different spheres, right? Another way to think of that is that sin has had a 3D effect in our lives. It's affected us vertically, horizontally, and inwardly, inwardly. Some of you took higher level math in high school or college, you know, think, thinking about a three-dimensional impact, you know, the y-axis, the, X, the y-axis, or the vertical component. Sin caused a fracture, first and foremost, in our relationship with God, vertically with God. Before sin, there was, there was perfect connection with Adam and Eve and God. There was nothing between them. They went on walks together. They spent time together. There was perfect relationship and trust between them. But, but after they sin, what do Adam and Eve do? What do they do? They hide, right? They, they hid. They hid from God. God comes looking for them and he can't find them. He says, where have you been? Right, where have you been? We, well, we heard you in the garden and we were afraid. So we, we hid, we hid. You know, the humanity's relationship with God was broken. There was the separation between humanity and God that, that needed to be addressed. So that's the first part. The second impact is horizontal or on the x-axis. And that's a relationship with others, right? Before, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was nothing negative between them. It was just the perfect relationship. They had a common goal, a common purpose, they got along, there was no conflict or tension in their relationship. You know, imagine like, you know, Adam would come home from work and he would be like, you came home early. And he'd be like, yeah, I missed you so much. I just wanted to be with you. I thought we could make dinner together, right? And oh, that's so sweet, right? They just, they was just wonderful. They just got along about everything. But then after sin, God comes along and he says, uh, hey, what did you guys do? Did you, did you eat from the fruit that I told you not to eat from? And what does Adam do? She gave it to me, right? He says, the woman that you gave me, she's the one who gave it to me. He blames Eve. He blames her, says it makes it all her fault. Like, can you imagine the conversations of coming home the next day after work after that? Like, like the passive aggressiveness and the like, hey, hey, Adam, where you been? Why are you coming home so late? Well, I just, I thought there, I had more animals to name. So I thought I would like kind of, you know, stick around a little longer at work and, well, I could have used some help with dinner, right? Well, I hope you're not feeding me the thing you gave me the last time to eat. Like that didn't go so well, right? You know, like, like there's this tension, right? This tension between them. This, there's this blaming and this, this, this conflict and this distrust, right? There's a break in the, the horizontal connection between them. And then third, third, we also see that sin has an internal impact. And oftentimes this is the one we don't talk about as much. And, you know, it's this, this internal impact and a fracturing within ourselves, a hurting within ourselves. You know, before sin, it says that Adam and Eve, they were naked and they were unashamed and they had nothing to hide. They had nothing to hide. They had zero thoughts or feelings of insecurity about themselves. They felt no shame whatsoever. But after they sin, all of a sudden they're weaving together fig leaves, trying to intuitively find a way to cover up the shame that they feel when really the only thing they could figure out to cover up was their bodies. But really, this, the shame that they felt was internal. Sin had fractured their own internal sense of security, their own internal sense of, of being comfortable with themselves and 
and with their own identity. See, in the garden, sin had this 3D impact uh, of breaking a relationship with God, others, and themselves. And the same is true in our lives. Sin has the same impact in us if it goes unaddressed. If it goes unaddressed, it has the same impact in our lives. Not just when it comes to talking about salvation and needing God to, to come and rescue us, but in talking about sanctification and needing him to come and make us more and more into the image of Christ. The gospel of Christ is good news because it addresses the brokenness in all three areas. And it has to, it has to. It has to bring healing and wholeness to our relationship with God, others, and within ourselves. Otherwise, it's just partial good news, right? It's not the whole good news, right? The, it's not just good news that someday in the future we'll experience freedom from these things. But, it, but it's God wanting to say, no, I have a reality of that. I want to, over time, progressively break into your life now. I'm going to bring healing in those areas now and restore those things now. Now, if, if this is true, if this is true, if the core issue, if the common problem is sin, then the poverty of a secular approach to counseling solely by itself is that it fails to address this core problem of sin. And, and therefore the results gained from a secular approach only will be temporary or external at best. If, if secular counseling, which is great, but it is limited, it is limited in healing and wholeness it, that can offer it to us if it doesn't address the real ultimate root problem. You know, with so many self-help books and three easy steps and cleverly named programs that promise transformation, the problem is that so many of them, their results are external or temporary at best if they don't also address the root problem of sin. And that's because they're attempting an outside-in approach when really we need a sanctifier to change us from the inside out. You know, a number of months ago, just to give you an illustration of this, my dad started getting really intense headaches, really intense headaches. And in and, and his whole life, he's never really had headaches. Maybe if he had got a cold or something, he'd have a headache for a day or two. But, but they were really intense and very regular. And he was you know, trying to just treat the symptoms with Motrin and, and, and Tylenol and stuff, but they weren't going away. So he thought, I probably should go to the doctor. So he went to the doctor and they said, well, let's do some scans. Let's just check, make sure there's nothing going on in your brain. Let's look and rule out any kind of tumors or anything like that. And so he did that and it came back great. They're like, hey, so we don't, we don't know what's causing these headaches. There doesn't seem to be anything abnormal in, in, your, in your brain. My mom might argue differently, but... <laughs> But, uh, but he says, it all looks great. It all looks great. And they said, so here's some just stronger medication. We're just gonna give you some more prescription medication to help you treat the symptoms. And so he took that, but again, it really wasn't making the problem go away. A little while later, uh, my dad noticed he started to have some pain in this tooth in one of his upper molars. And so he went to the dentist and they looked at it and they said, actually, we're surprised you didn't come in earlier. This looks really bad. You, we need to remove this tooth and you have a really bad infection up there. And so they put him on an antibiotic and they took the tooth out. And not only did it solve his tooth problem, but apparently that was causing an issue in his sinuses and inflammation in his sinus, which was causing his headaches. 
And so pretty much with a couple of days of being on antibiotics, his headaches went away like that because they got to the root of the problem. They got to the root of the issue. If sin truly is the root of the problem, then we have to address that in an ongoing issue in our lives. Otherwise, we're just gonna treat the external stuff, the external symptoms, instead of getting to the root of the problem. Now, I've shared this before, but for many years, and, and while it's improved, uh, it's still a struggle that I have. Uh, I've struggled with anger. I've had an issue with anger for many, many years, and that surprises a lot of people. They think, well, you look, seem so chill. And, uh, and that's because I've just gotten really, really good at hiding it, to be honest. Uh, but but I, I've also, for a long time, I just was kind of lying to myself about it, about it being an issue. I kind of like Adam, and eat, Adam in the garden, I would give excuses for it. I would blame others for it. I would try to cover it up and hide it. And now anger in itself is not a bad thing, right? There, there are examples in the Bible where God gets angry, right? He gets angry about unjust things. Jesus gets angry about unjust things. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus goes into the temple and gets angry and flips over the money changers table because they're taking advantage of the poor. And, and he's upset about that, right? So, so I so often would use stories like that, use examples like that to justify my anger, to think that there was a, there was, it was about a justice thing. But the reality was rarely was my anger justified. Usually it was an over-exaggeration of the situation. It was over-exasperation of the situation. Sometimes I'd, I would just yell and just, my kids would be fighting when they're little and just, I would just, like, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but I would just lose it, like just yelling at them. Or I'd be building something or working on something, a project, and it wouldn't be going. I'd be following the directions, right? And it's not working. I'd just get angry. I'd just throw the hammer across the yard. You know, just like so, so angry. And then, um, you know, then um, this, is a, this is a little bit embarrassing, this story, but one day I was watching my favorite um, football team, the Browns. Any Browns fans in the room? Anybody? Okay, good. Are the rest of you Bengals fans? Are you? Oh my gosh. We, ministry time right now. Let's pray. Repentance. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, I was watching the Browns play, and, and it was a big game. It was a playoff game, so it was, you know, win or go home. And there was a, a play that the ref clearly got wrong. I should be an NFL ref. I know better now. Clearly got wrong. And, and, and I was so upset, and this is gonna sound kind of ridiculous. I was so upset, but I had the remote in my hand. And all of a sudden I looked down and I was holding two remotes in my hands, or I should say two pieces of a remote in my hand. I had literally snapped the remote in half. And I thought to myself, wow, you're really strong. That's that? Uh, I actually did think that first. And then, and then I just got really embarrassed. I thought, this is ridiculous. Like it's a football game that I've, has no impact in my life. And I just broke a remote. Hope, hope, kids, hope you like this channel. We're gonna be watching this channel for a while. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like it kind of freaked my family out a little bit. And I started and I went to go see a counselor for a little bit. And that was really helpful. And again, this is nothing against counseling. I highly recommend it. Find it super helpful. I learned some strategies of how to calm myself down when I was feeling that anger rising up in me. 
uh, taking timeouts and some just ways of thinking about things and planning ahead for it. But at the same time, I, I, was, I was praying with God and I was asking God, okay, God, but, but why? Like, I know I need to learn how to deal with this when it comes up, but why am I getting angry like this in the first place? What is the root of this? What is the core issue of this? And, and I, God is so good, right? I just felt God kind of come and Jesus put his arm on my shoulder and say, let's, let's talk about this. And he said, and I felt like he just said, hey, you're, the problem is you're sinning. And I remember having a little bit of an argument with God. Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm sinning. I mean, I understand I'm, I'm overreacting, but these things are wrong. Like my, my kids should not be fighting. And yes, I know I, I, rose, I raised my voice too much, but they shouldn't be treating each other like that, right? This project should be working the way it's supposed to be working. Like, like I, I'm, it's okay that I'm angry. Or come on, Lord, the Browns need all the help they can get. Like, <laughs> seriously, they don't need the refs. Like, and I remember having this conversation and I felt like Jesus just again said, hey, it's actually, the root of your problem is not your anger. This is not an anger thing. This is a control thing. You are sinning because in that moment, in that situation, you do not believe that I am in control. And you are trying to take control in that situation and you can't control it. And so then you're getting angry because of that. And that's why you're acting that way. He said, your sin is that you are trying to take control out of my hands. He said, your sin is that uh, it's a sin of faithlessness. You in that moment don't believe that I, I've got this. And so you're trying to take control. And it was like a light bulb went off. It was like uh, cold water getting splashed in the face. It's like for the first time I, I could see it for what it really was. I could call it for what it really was. You know, well, I lost my spot here. Totally don't know where I'm at. Here we go. Okay. Um, the person, the, oh, that's what I say. Okay, the first step in my growth of becoming more like Jesus in this area was just to acknowledge that. Just to acknowledge that I still had an issue with sin in this area, to stop giving excuses for it, to stop blaming things for it, and just call it what it is, which is sin. You know, the person who, who justifies, hey, I, I'm just, I gotta work a few more hours, get 70 hours a week, you know, and says, I'm just providing for my family, but really doesn't have to. Like they make enough to pay the bills, but, but does it because the reality is they're having a hard time trusting God as their provider, right? It's the, it's the fitness nut who justifies and hides behind the, the benefits of, of being active and eating healthy, trying to just lose those two more pounds, right? If I could just lose those two more pounds, but is really struggling with their identity and having trouble believing that God could love them just the way they are, right? It's, it's the man or the woman who, who dabbles just a little bit, just a little bit, every once in a while in pornography from time to time. And they justify it by, well, blaming their spouse and the struggles that they're having together. You know, what they're, they're looking for some sense of, of intimacy when really what they're looking for is deeper intimacy with Jesus. It's, it's the, when, we, when we find ourselves internally just making excuses or blaming or hiding it, that we should clue in to say, oh, God, is there something here that you want to 
come alongside me with and address, right? And, and, and again, Danny talked about some of the tools that can be really helpful, like counseling, like accountability, like scripture reading, like being a part of a church, attending small group, uh, learning techniques to learn how to deal with your anger in the moment. Those things are all really helpful. But ultimately what we first and foremost need is we need to know a God who loves us. A God who not only died for our misses and our sins, but a God who wants to come alongside us and walk us through healing of that, of those sins and growing in those areas. And in addressing not just our sins, but the sins that others have done to us and not just pushing it off as that was a long time ago or pushing it off as it's not that big of a deal, but when ultimately it is making an impact in our lives. You know, just like we need saving from our sin when we first became Christians, put our faith in him, we need Jesus to be continually sanctifying us and making us more and more like him. That's the common problem. That's the common problem. The common problem is sin. And we need to change from making it so taboo that we can't talk about it. We need to just call it what it is. And the first person that we need to be honest about that with is not a pastor. It's not me. It's not Michael. It's not even a spouse or a trusted friend. It's with ourselves and it's with God. Otherwise, we'll just try our best to, to treat the outside symptoms, right? Or worse, we'll just keep making excuses, keep blaming, right? And not get to the root of the issue. But in a continual and safe, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus, where he puts his arm around us and says, let's walk through this together. We can open ourselves up for him to, to speak into our lives those known and unknown issues in areas where we've missed the mark or where other people have, have caused us harm. And just call and start by calling it what it is, just that, sin. And it's a hard first step. It's not a fun thing to think about, but it's an important step. It's an important step in our journey toward wholeness. Hey, why, don't we, why don't we stand up if you're able to? We're gonna, we're gonna invite, if the worship team wants to start to make their way back out here, we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna take communion together. And so if you didn't get a chance to grab the communion elements when you came in, then the back tables and over on the side here, you can grab them real quick. And we'll take this together and, and then worship here. But. You know, as we're getting this and getting ready, I wanna just remind us like, you know, we, we always think about how this represents, uh, you know, our salvation. And that's true, but it also represents our sanctification. That what God did on the cross for us isn't just, isn't just to save us. That would, that would be amazing alone, but it's also because he wants to, to change us from the inside out. And so I, as we take this, I wanna remember that, that part today too. So, so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he was with his friends and he held up, he held up bread and he said, this bread represents my body, broken for you. Let's eat the bread together. And then he held up the cup and he said, this cup represents, 
the new covenant of blood poured out for your sins, to forgive you of your sins, to heal you from your sins. Let's drink the cup together. Jesus, we thank you that you, you not only came to save us, but that you came to give us more. You came to sanctify us. You came to bring us new and abundant life. So we thank you for that. We are eternally grateful for that. And we pray we would experience more and more of that progressively in our lives. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's worship together. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.